One of the most vulnerable populations out there is homeless teens and young people. You'll hear from Christina Carlson about how her and her team at Urban Peak Denver are helping thousands of individuals who are routinely overlooked and invisible become visible and find a path to a productive life through programs, facilities, compassion, and humor on this episode of Making Our World Better. Welcome to the Making Our World Better podcast where you will find motivation and encouragement through lively conversations with inspirational people who every day are making our world a better place. Now, here's your host, Jay Clark. Welcome to the podcast. I am Jay Clark, and it is a gift to be joined by Christina Carlson, CEO of Urban Peak of Denver. Urban Peak ignites the potential in youth to exit homelessness and create self-determined, fulfilled lives. Under Christina's leadership, Urban Peak was the 2022 Colorado Business Committee for the Arts honoree as an exemplary organization making a difference through the arts. Christina joined Urban Peak in July of 2017, bringing extensive experience in the nonprofit sector and a strong mix of fundraising expertise, strategic vision, and a passion for the mission and the youth served by Urban Peak. Prior to Urban Peak, Christina held leadership positions at the Colorado Symphony Orchestra, DSST Public Schools, the Logan School and Family and Intercultural Resource Center. She holds a master's degree in social work from the University of Denver and also serves on the board of directors for Caring for Denver Foundation and Odyssey School of Denver. Christina, welcome and thank you so much for taking time. I'm so excited to be here. I've always wanted to be on a podcast. Ah, well, tell me, how would you describe Urban Peak Denver to somebody that doesn't know anything about it? So... Urban Peak, we do a lot of complicated work um, in a lot of complicated ways. But at the end of the day, it's all about working with youth between the ages of 15 to 24 to, who are experiencing homelessness. And our goal is to really break that cycle of homelessness so that youth can be up and out of this system instead of spiraling within it, because we know that in long periods of homelessness or chronic um, trauma really change the game and make it so hard to break that cycle. Yeah. Yeah. So it is a super complex issue. So tell me, how do you create kind of a shallow entry point where somebody can come to you and ask for help? Cause that's gotta be, uh, yeah. that's gotta be a huge, you know, making that first step has gotta be a huge thing, especially for young people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I often say that, you know, talk about bravery and resilience is these young people to be able to walk through our doors right. when they've been let down by so many systems. Right. You know, just to step back, one of the things is people always say, like, why are youth homeless? And I think it's worth hitting on that. Absolutely. Because there are, of course, a million reasons, but um, the primary driving force behind it is around youth coming out of the foster care system. Mm. One out of three foster care youth become homeless on the day they turn 18. One out of um, three. One out of three. It's nuts. Wow. And then um, the family instability. And so that can be around being unstably housed or having mental health or substance misuse issues going on, the, on in the right. home. I mean, I often think about that. That's so much about poverty. Right. And then third is LGBTQ youth, um, which make up about 33 to 38% of our wow. population. One out of three. And there we too. serve, 
Yeah, I mean, we serve about a thousand unduplicated youth each year. Wow. So you think about those numbers, you know, it's very, those are big numbers. And then you think about really marginalized populations being represented. And, you know, we know that people of color are highly overrepresented in anywhere for people experiencing homelessness, but particularly in the youth space. So for us, what we really think about first and foremost is how do we create relationships with these young people that are safe and trusting? Because so many of them have never had that. And so how do we start from that place that's really human-centered and become partners with these young people to help change that path rather than like, hey, you should do this thing. Yeah, And so we do that. I often think about, I talk about it as like what we do to get people inside and then what do we do when they're inside? And so we have shelter. We have a daytime drop-in center. We're the only shelter for minors in the Denver area. Um, we have um, housing. We own 68 units of supportive housing, but then we oh, place wow. about another 50 to 80 youth in the community and scattered site housing. Awesome. And then we have education, employment, um, behavioral health. We have a medical clinic. We do social emotional work. And so we really do that work once people are inside with us because those are the life skills necessary to break that cycle. Right. And so the other piece that I think is jargon, but when we break it down, is so powerful is around trauma-informed care, which we hear all the time now, like we do trauma-informed care. But what that really means is that we know that every young person that comes to us has experienced significant trauma. But what that means for us is when they come to us, we know it impacts how they work and how they live in the world. But instead of saying what's wrong with you, we start with what's right with you. And I think that's what's so unique about Urban Peak and our program's are continue to be filled with joy and laughter and, you know, teenagers are kind of gross, but also pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you're, you're probably dealing with people that don't have a lot of places where they can find that kind of joy. And and I love that when you say we recreate relationships and a thousand is a big number. When you think about that, you've got a thousand different, you know, ways that people reasons and everything else, because every single one of them is a little bit different, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to, you know, I think so many systems are, you know, policies are created with the best intentions and then you get into practice and, you know, we lose focus on the uniqueness of each human. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be able to work in both phases and in both spheres. And, you know, I think that starts with relationship and trust. It does. And tell me a little bit about the history of the organization and, and how it's kind of evolved. Yeah. And so Urban Peak has been around for 35 years. And I grew up in Denver and I'm older than 35. <laughs> so I think <laughs> Thanks about, to us. Yeah. So I think about, you know, 35 years ago, a group of community advocates and volunteers really began to see the explosion of youth who were experiencing homelessness on the streets. And that was like, oh, this is a different population and they need different supports. And so 
Urban Peak started. The hilarious thing about it is that lots of it started in a church basement. Um, lots of churches take credit for it being in their basement, which is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and then over the last 35 years, we've continued to evolve and grow. And I think we've stuck to our roots of understanding that youth are unique and need something different. And not only do we have today so much more understanding around the development of the brain and the impact of trauma right. and all of that. But I think, you know, day one was about how do we provide safe space and really think deeply and care about the most vulnerable in our community. And I think that's uh-huh. what we still do today. And it's really amazing. Well, and, and talk a little about <clears throat> a little bit about the trauma stuff, because I know yeah. that is a wound that is as real as a broken bone or a, you know, it's it's as real a wound yeah. as anything physical. So all these, like you say, most of the kids that are coming to you have experienced this trauma. So how do you how do you deal with that? Like from a peer standpoint or or a treatment standpoint? Yeah. I mean, I think for all of us, you know, I think as we think about what was hard in our lives and what it looked like to move beyond it, I think there's that combination of growth and maturity. I think the support systems around us, whether that's addressing medical or behavioral health or substance misuse issues, I think it's about appropriate therapy or engaging in the community or, you know, I think it's about really wrapping people in so much care and love. And I think for our youth, what is so important, and I have a 10-year-old and a 14-year-old and, you know, they say, well, what are we supposed to do? And I'm like, let's not let our most vulnerable become invisible. And I say to my kids, like, when we're driving down the street and you see someone sitting on the corner, you don't have to give money and maybe you want to give money or maybe you want to give water or maybe you want to do this. But I think the most important thing is like, don't forget to see these people and remember that they are our neighbors and our community members. And like, let's start with a place of we are all in this together. And that I think that's the beginning of the healing of trauma. Um, And there are a lot of complexities that people will tell you, like, let's do harm reduction and let's house people first and let's rapid rehouse and let's do this. And those are all really important best practices. But I think it's just such a base level. It's about how do we not let people become invisible and how how do we make sure that our most marginalized and vulnerable are brought into the fold, not sent out of it. I um I wrote that down. That should be a bumper sticker. That's that's fantastic. That's already a huge takeaway for me on this. But what what would you say is a huge um or a misperception about about the the population that you guys serve? You know, it's so interesting to me because I you know work in the big system around people experiencing homelessness and. When I do trainings, and maybe this is interesting for your listeners, is like if you close your eyes and you imagine a person experiencing homelessness, what did you just imagine? And I mean, I'll ask you. So like when you picture right. a person experiencing homelessness, who is that? What does that look like? 
It's certainly not a young person. It's somebody who's, you know, a substance abuser or, or, you know, has addiction issues or mental health issues. And it's certainly not a young person. Yeah. And they're standing on the corner or they're living in a tent or those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. And I think that that piece around how do we broaden our understanding and that, you know, youth who are experiencing homelessness, you know, I talked a little bit about foster care youth. I mean, those are kids that have been systematized and have lack of connection and lack of all of those things and have been moved around and all of that, you know, that's not quote unquote their fault. That's sort of where they came into the world. And so I think that's so important for us to remember. And then also, I mean, maybe you were an amazing teenager, but I made a lot of bad decisions. Yeah. And I had a family and a support system at school and in my community and with my family that when I fell, there was so many pieces to keep me together. Right. And that that's not true for many, many teenagers. Sad. And so I think we just have to, you know, maybe there's the person that was an amazing teenager that never made a bad choice, but my guess is no. And when you have yeah. less resources and less access, to all of those things, those bad choices or Sometimes. circumstances can really, you know, impound, you know, become so much bigger right. and has so much more impact. And I, I think we have to keep that in perspective. For sure. And, you know, you have been at this out for a while now. So talk a little bit about all the different agencies around the city that you guys, that you guys coordinate and have to work with. And, you know, how on earth from a leadership standpoint, do you, do you keep your arms around all that? (laughs) Not very well. Um, (laughs) You know, it's funny. So I've been at urban peak for five years and um, we do, joke a lot of the other leaders and staff at Urban Peak is that living through a pandemic while running services for people experiencing homelessness, we get like an extra 20 years tacked on. I would hope. (laughs) That's fair. Jeez. You know, the pandemic has been brutal for everybody. Right. I mean, I think about it across the board, but I would also say you know, for people experiencing homelessness and for us as um, the staff that work with them, you know, it was very complex right. um, because you have a stay at home order and you don't have a home. Right. You know, or you the have six feet thing or, settings. Yeah, all that. But one of the really cool things that came about, I keep trying to reframe the pandemic. I'm like, this is cool. <laughs> um, one of the things about it is that I feel like in Denver, the Homeless Provider Network really came together in this really powerful way. And I think on my dying day, I hope I'm proud of my children. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I will be really proud. I will, of course. But I will be really proud of the work that this group of providers have done. And it's called the Homeless Leadership Council. And it's made up of Catholic charities, um, Colorado Coalition for the Homeless, the Denver Rescue Mission, the Dolores Project, um, the St. Francis Center, the Gathering Place, Salvation Army, Volunteers of America, and Urban Peak. And we met daily, seven days a week yeah. when the pandemic started for almost six months. 
And then we went to five wow. days a week and now we still meet weekly. And, you know, we were able to do really big, impactful work together yeah. with the support of this city through the Department of Public Health and Environment and through HOST, which is the Office of Housing and Stability. And, like, I think for me, what that has meant is not only a network of really long time, impressive leaders who are have taught me so much, but I think also we're really thinking systemically about this is a continuum of needs and that there is a pipeline of what we're seeing at the end of what you're seeing on the street corner. And we got to be thinking, you know, across that whole spectrum. And, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of what we've been able to do. And, you know, when I list that, we have organizations that are more conservative and more liberal and all of that. And at the end of the day, we've been able to tuck some of that in our pocket and think about what's right for the people we get the honor of serving and working with. Uh, I love that attitude. And and that's, that's what the little I'm learning about the homeless situation is, is putting a roof over somebody's head. It's just one step in a thousand mile journey, yeah. right? I mean, you've got to, yeah. you get them sheltered, then you got to figure out how to get them ready for, to work. And, and there's a, a uh-huh. whole ball of yarn with that. And, and so it just yeah. keeps, so to this whole team approach and what you guys are doing is awesome. So you're, you're building a new facility and you, you already have a bunch it's of a campus. That, we like, yeah. So, so tell us yeah. a little bit about that and how that's going to change the game for yeah. you. Yeah. So we are um, just about to break ground, we think, in December um, on something that we call the mothership. So for better or for worse, I have a very irreverent sense of humor. I think that's probably how I do this kind of work. Yeah. <laughs> so I called it that because I was like, it's the mother of all projects. And then I was like, I always felt like it was going to sort of suck me into the, like, as an alien. And I'd be like, what the hell is going on? So um, our this campus, though, is very innovative and really thinking outside the box. But when I explain it, I think people are like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So what we'll be able to do, it's a four-story building, and we'll have um, shelter, and we will have space for minors, so youth who are under the age of 18. And then we'll be able to shelter 18 to 24-year-olds in smaller dorms, not in congregate settings. We'll have a lot of shared community space. We'll have a teaching kitchen, to your point around, you know, how are we creating nice. skills, not only to live independently, but to, um, you know, be able to work, you know, move into the workforce. Mm-hmm. We will have something that we call neighborhood. Which if you imagine a college suite, there's shared living and dining, there's mm-hmm. um, case management space, which I often say is like the RA's office, right. and then community space. And one of the things that are really cool about those is that we can do them in affinity groups. So we could have a neighborhood that's for pregnant and parenting youth. And so maybe two young moms are like, hey, I'm going to school, watch my baby. And the other mom's like... I'm going to work, you watch mine, all of a sudden you have community and maybe these moms are like, right. guess where we don't want to live is in a homeless or, you know, shelter. Right. So you can get people up and out and then we'll have all of our support services on site. So we have a visual arts center, we have a tech lab, we have a classroom, we have group space, we awesome. have management, we have 
um, two really beautiful terraces where programmatic things can happen like yoga. Our kids love yoga or just hanging out. And that it really, I feel like to be able to explain something like that, well, it's long winded. It also is pretty amazing. And there really is nobody in the country doing anything like this. And it's awesome. Super cool. And I think a a national model. Yeah. It's super cool. That is super cool. Well, this is, I always preface this one by saying it's not a fair question. I understand that, but is there a story or um, something, a special occurrence that really stands out to you from your time at urban peak? Oh man, there are so many. I'm sure Um, there's hundreds. That's why it's not fair. Yeah. Sophie's choice. I right? think about, you, you know, I always think about various interactions I've had with youth and often it's my most recent that impacts me the most. Um, and so we have done our, you know, one of the things that we have is we have former youth who work for us now. Oh, that's awesome. Which I think is so cool. And there's, um, we have a, former youth who works in our shelter now and um, I was getting to talk to them. We had our big event on Friday and I was getting to talk to them and I was saying, you know, what's it like to work at Urban Peak now? And what they told me was, you know, it's like coming home and reminding the young, you know, and explaining to these young people when they come through our doors that this is home. And you know, that's so powerful. And it brought me back to one of my first experiences at Urban Peak where there was a guy who came in to get his mail because we, people, you know, that's one of our services. And I mean, I think he was 30 something. Uh. And I was like, Hey, like, why are you still getting your mail here? And he was like, well, this is my home. Oh wow! And I thought, you know, like, that's an oversimplification of the entire thing, but it is those moments where I'm like, wow, look at that. Look at that difference in change. That, that is awesome. So talk about some of the bedrock leadership principles that you lean on in this role and, <laughs> and in some of your other roles that you've, you've held. Um, I think that I have two. First, well, three. First is to my sense of humor because I think we do hard work and like, how do you find joy in it? And just, you know, I think that's maybe my only really good redeeming quality is like, Oh, Hey, here's a joke. At least. Um, It's the mash thing, right? You got to laugh. Otherwise you'll cry. I mean, yeah, I have a really amazing mother and I owe 98% of the time take her advice. Um, And the best advice she ever gave me about leadership is hire people that are smarter than you and get out of their way and say, thank you. How can I support you? And, you know, that's the best advice I was ever given. That's great advice. I think it's good advice for anyone in the world is like, how do you find partners in the work where you don't feel threatened, but you feel like this is, you know, having smarter people around you doesn't mean that you're not doing a good job. Right. It means you're doing the best job. Yep. That's, that's great. Well, like you said, this work is not for the faint of heart. Um, <laughs> but, but what Neither gives you hope? Parenting. 
That's what I learned yeah, in the last I'm like, parenting, neither that's, parenting. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, but what what gives you hope and what keeps you energized uh, for Urban yeah. Peak? I mean, I think there's two parts to that. I think that so much for me is I was brought up with a lot of privilege and a lot of opportunity. And I was brought up in a family that taught me that that privilege and opportunity means that we have responsibility to community. And I think I feel that every day. I think what brings me hope is um, what I get to see in our staff and our programs, you know, and that teenagers are funny and fun and difficult and, you know, I watch these kids who have lived through hell on earth and they yeah. show up and they're like, yep, my life's going to look different. And it does. And like, I find this job incredibly humbling and I feel so lucky every day to be a part of it. And that's that's awesome. not just something I say, it's actually how I feel. That's terrific. Well, I'll wrap these up with my last four questions. The first one is. Yeah. To change gears just a little bit, what's something you will listen to, read, or watch today? Okay, so I am like a crazy music nut. Like oh, I nice. love, love, love music. I was my if I got to have a different job, you know, if I did a totally different career, I want to be one of those people that gets to choose music for TV shows. So, uh, like, you know, when the hero goes off, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is the song to play. Um, so I was driving in today and I just saw this band a couple nights ago listening to Krongbin, which is a killer band out of Texas that is really amazing. So I was listening to them. Um, Who was it? Krongbin, they're killer. They're so awesome. I have to look that um, one up. I am a big time deadhead. And so I'll for sure be listening to the dead at some point. Today. All right. So. And I'm a podcast nut. And so I've been listening to, um, oh gosh, what it is. It's like the guy who used to do You Were Wrong About, and he's doing all of this about um, food insecurity and fad diets. Nice. It's fascinating. That is, that's awesome. So who is, who would you, I think I might know the answer, but who would you say has been a big role model for you in your work and, and in creating kind of this service mindset that you live with? I mean, it's interesting. I've had so many really amazing role models and, you know, I referenced my mom and she'll always be right. number one. Um, and I've had so many amazing ones. I feel like I could never point to just one person, you know, there's high school and college and all of those kind of things. Right. But I think I would be remiss not mention um, Roxanne White, who was one of the original CEOs at Urban Peak. And um, she does work with us today. And, you know, she's an amazing cheerleader and she gives me really good advice. And when I don't listen to it, I always regret it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good leadership lesson, right? You know. So other than Urban Peak, is there an organization out there that you really admire the work they're doing or somebody you'd love to give a shout out to? I mean, I just think people that do hard work and care about people, it would be hard to choose. Um, I do really would love to spend the day with, um, man, there are so many. 
I don't even know. I just feel like we all have a lot to be proud of. And there are so many leaders in our community. And I just encourage people to get excited about a cause and then go engage because you'll get to meet somebody amazing. It's true. Which, which is, that's a good entree to the last question. It is if somebody wants to learn more about urban peak volunteer support, where, where should they go and what should they do? Ooh, www.urbanpeak.org urbanpeak.org so we have lots of opportunities to get involved and um i think urban peak is one of those places that gets in your blood and you're there forever and it's a real gift and has changed my life and i think it could change yours or any of your listeners in the best possible way Awesome. Well, Christina, keep up the great work. I've been a long time admirer from afar. Cheers for continued success. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed Christina's joy as much as I did. This podcast has been brought to you by JC Charity and Event Services, where we help build great organizations. If you're interested in how I might be able to bolster your efforts and help your team achieve its goals, I'd love to have a conversation with you. You can find me at makingourworldbetter.com. To learn more about Urban Peak Denver and how you can support their efforts, visit urbanpeak.org. You can find links in the show notes, and if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd be grateful if you'd share it with a friend. Until next time, I hope you're inspired to find a way to make our world better.